there, and welcome to episode 7 of Armchair Quarterbacks. My name is Tara Mahoney, and I'm here with Jonathan Scott. For our seventh episode, we're chatting with David Valentin of Main Street Research about polling. We're asking him if and why polls are important, what the heck happened with the American election polling, and how we could avoid that scenario in the future. The other thing we're going to talk about a bit is how journalists actually use polls and whether they kind of create their own stories out of the horse race rather than focusing on the policy or the qualifications of the candidates themselves. It kind of seems like there's a lot of white noise created by these like stories about polls. Um, And I want to touch on that a little bit um, especially because um, I really I, I, I want to talk about something I really don't understand, which is that how can you have one poll that says one thing and another poll that says another? One person must be like very, very wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I, I want to say about that is like you have one job to do as a research company when you're doing polling. Like your job is to... <laughs> to get the information. So I don't understand, um, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand this either, like how you could get two polls, um, you know, you know, CTV reports one thing, CBC reports another thing, because they've based their information off the two different off, off of two different firms. Right. It's very confusing to me. Well, I think we'll talk to David about this a little bit more, but different polling firms, as I understand it, have different ways of um, sampling the electorate. So they're not going to um, poll the first 1,200 people who pick up the phone. Um, In the U.S., they want to make sure that, you know, 20-something percent of them are African-American because that matches the electorate, or 52 percent of them are women and 48 percent of them are men or whatever the, the, the math is behind what the demographics of the actual voters are. Um, so that might be part of how, you know, one poll can be wildly different than the other. Um, but then there's also something that pollsters talk about when they're analyzing polls and that's this notion of herding so that no pollster kind of wants to be the, the outlier. So they all kind of end up converging over time throughout the campaign. Mm. Uh, and that can add, I guess, to where we kind of get these, um, these misses, if, if everyone's converging on, oh, Clinton's up by two, which in fact she was, um, or uh, Brexit can't pass because, you know, it's 51-49 and you know what I mean? Like things mm-hmm. start to converge to one another. Um, the other thing you mentioned, though, is just like all this white noise in poll coverage. I think it's gotten worse. Um, oh, yeah, for because, sure. And I, I think the culprits are... Um, like the Nate Silvers of the world, these, because now we don't just have polls and we don't just have betting markets where you bet on the result. We have these polls of polls where they say, well, you know, we're going to put all the polls together and uh, Clinton is up uh, by three points on average across all the polls. That means she has a 93% chance of winning. And I I think at a certain point that becomes um, dangerous. Almost, well, da- yeah, exactly, because it starts to be people start to say, well, why do I need to show up if she's going to, you know, she has a 93% chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember friends like tweeting at Nate Silver on election night being like, what the, what's going on, mm-hmm. Nate? Mm-hmm. Again, like these firms have one job to like correctly um, 
report on what they're healing, hearing from the people. And so to me, they're like, you know, you said there's, uh, there's, you know, different methods of polling, uh, an electorate, but like there obviously must be a correct way and a, a way to do it where you get the most accurate results and other ways that are less accurate. So I just I don't understand like how we're still like people have been polling um, populations for a long time. I don't understand why th- this is still like a problem. Like, what we saw in the American election was just insane. Like how can you have the population voting one way and up and polling companies reporting that they're going to vote another. Um, it's just nuts to me. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think with Brexit and Trump, what happened was the sample sizes that people created were based on past electorates, which were uh, not going to represent some of the like white uh, working class men who suddenly showed up to vote for Trump and they, they hadn't really been voting for the past decade or so, mm-hmm. or they were kind of Obama voters who swung to Trump. I, I think those are like a fairly small amount of the uh, the, the size. Um, the other thing, though, not to just completely be uh, bad-mouthing Nate Silver, his podcast had a really interesting episode uh, recently about the French election, because um, these polling misses aren't just uh, when Trump or Brexit wins. Like Emmanuel Macron actually, I think, drastically over-polled on election day compared to what he was polling for. So I, he always had like a 30-point a lead over Marine Le Pen, but he ended up beating her by something like closer to 35 percent, mm-hmm. which... You know, Hillary Clinton was supposed to beat Trump by three points. She beat him by two points and then lost the Electoral College. Uh, Brexit, yeah, Brexit was supposed to be like 51-49 in favor of Remain and said it was 52-ish, 48 in favor of Leave. Well, Macron winning by five-plus points more than he was polling is actually a bigger miss. But because he's a nice, handsome liberal who— you know, has a newfound bromance with Trudeau in Italy. We don't like have the same freak out. Mm. That that difference was the difference between him winning a little bit and him winning a little bit more, right? right? Like right. when you're the the polling in America was so vastly was so just starkly wrong. Like, not that she wasn't going to win. Uh, the votes, but that they, uh, David mentions this in the interview, but it's something about how they didn't use state polling as much. And that was where the, they missed the electric college stuff. So. Right. Right. um, And and, and to bring it kind of into a really hyper local Canadian context in Ontario, um, in the lead up to the 2014 election, I mean, a year before the election, the Kathleen Wynne liberals were in third, uh, on election day, I think Wynn polled 1% more mm-hmm. than McGinty had polled uh, three-ish years earlier when he only won a minority, and she ended up winning a comfortable majority. Well, she's polling in third again all winter and spring, but then a few polls are now starting to show that she might be in first. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, the volatility in polls, I think, is really important because even if you're looking at the trend lines, there's going to be these big... Um, you know, valleys and peaks, uh, as you look at a a graph of polls over a period of months and years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that's another thing we kind of touch on with David. But I think the point is that when they say the only poll that counts is on election day, it's true because polls Mm -hmm. only tell you what's true on that day. And unless you're voting on that day, who the hell cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I guess just to wrap that up, I'd like to say that I hope um, we can learn from the mistakes uh, in the American election. Um, Like we can learn that we need to look at trends. Like the media can learn that they need to look at trends and not like anything on a given day. And we need to learn about like sources that, we can trust that are not. And, and polls and polls are um, a tool yes. and not every problem is a hammer meets nail type situation. So shut up about polls mm-hmm. a year before an election, maybe guys and cover policy. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know political reporters want to do palace intrigue and drama, and that's often motivated by polling, but maybe cover the policy first and foremost and occasionally update us on the trend line of polls, not just the the day's headlines. Yep. All right. Well, without further ado, here's Let's talk to a pollster. Yeah. (laughs) So we're joined by David Valentin, who's vice president of Main Street Research, uh, one of Canada's uh, better qualified in terms of accuracy pollsters. So why don't we start there? David, you've uh, explained to me offline uh, when you're trying to get me to buy your polls, uh, how you guys are often very accurate. Do you want to just kind of run down your credentials as you see them so that uh, you can establish for our listeners why we're talking to you about polling and polling accuracy? Well, thank, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, no, I'm happy to talk about our record. And as I'm always uh, letting people know, what's really interesting about polling is there's very few ways to actually know when polls are correct. And one of the best ways we have to demonstrate our accuracy is elections. So we can put something out a couple of days before election day. And, and look, where no one is expecting to get it 100% right, because uh, polls are a reflection of public opinion. Uh, public opinions change every day, change every hour. So you're not expected to get it 100% right, but you are expected to be in the ballpark. You are expected to be very or pretty close. And we've been very lucky in that uh, we have a great record that's been put together by a lot of hardworking people at our company, uh, the most accurate pollster in, in the most recent Toronto mayor election, for instance, getting a number of by-elections, uh, the most correct in Ontario and Alberta and different parts of the country, being the only pollsters to call the liberal majority in the last federal election, being the first to call the NDP majority in Alberta. And when we look at significant polling misfires, you don't see that in our in our company history. Uh, In fact, we've been warning about the potential for significant misfires. A week before Donald Trump was elected, we talked extensively in different columns about how uh, there was this potential for the polls, not in general, but the state-specific polls to be wrong. And that's exactly, in fact, what we saw. We saw state polls did not perform well in that election. And, of course, Donald Trump won the Electoral College despite losing the popular vote. So I I understand how a lot of different... um, People have cynicism about polling in general right now, whether it's Brexit or Donald Trump's election or so on and so forth. But the number one thing I will say is that the regulatory system in Canada is very different than it is in Britain, than it is in the United States. So we have a very different system here, and I think quite a healthy system overall. Right. Okay. So uh, I think I'll just say we're going to try and do a little bit of like media criticism in terms of how uh, newspapers report on the polls, and then we're going to talk about pollsters themselves. So 
Tara, why don't you fire off the next question? Um, well, I kind of, I wanted to ask quickly before I um, go to the media. Um, I I want to know um, what like uh, what your what polling looks like for you guys. What how do you conduct your research for somebody that you know doesn't really know a lot about this? Um, and sort of a add on to that, uh, like, do you think? I mean, obviously. Um, you think this, David, but can you can you tell us a little bit about why polls matter? Sure. Well, I think polls matter because why do we make decisions? Why do we decide the things we do? Sometimes we do it on expert opinion, and I think that's important. Uh, and we might decide to do something or the other because of economic study or feasibility studies or cost. But I think it's also important what people think. And when polls are done correctly, that's exactly what they can tell you. Uh, they can give you a ballpark of, of what people are thinking about particular issues, uh, what they're willing to do, what they're willing to spend. And, uh, and all those different economic measures are important. When people and when companies are planning for future growth, future business, uh, business, you know, market research is incredibly important for them because they want to have that information to know if people are, are planning to make any future investments, if people are planning to spend any money in the next few years. Obviously, we've seen the economic numbers in Alberta take quite a turn in the, in the last little while. Um, but spending behavior is interesting, and, and we're always trying to forecast different economic measures in our work as well. I do think there is a, di a big difference between uh, the polling that is geared towards media and the private polling that is commissioned by other individuals and organizations that are trying to get a read on consumers, that are trying to get a re read on citizens, uh, and in some cases trying to get a read on voters. But what I do think is really important at this particular time is that we remember that public opinion, I mean, we could have uh, panelists on TV uh, giving their opinions. Um, we can have uh, very well-to-do people who have uh, all sorts of analysis and agendas to push. But it's also important to remember that the people on the streets, where our company is called Main Street, the people who live on just the average street, their opinions matter too. Their thoughts and feelings matter as well. And there is no such thing as an incorrect thought, and there is no such thing as an incorrect uh, feeling, rather, when you know you can think things for the wrong reasons. Um, but opinions are important, and even if your opinion is not one that I agree with, I want to make sure I'm capturing it. I want to make sure I'm jotting it down. So um, speaking of um, media and reporting, what do you think the right balance between reporting on polls and reporting on uh, policy is? Um, we saw an example in the last American election of uh, the media being pretty pretty wrong um, on um, like on a lot of the uh, well I mean based on polls uh, you know the people had a very skewed uh, version of what you know the <laughs> election turnout will be, would be so what do you think the right balance uh, is for that or is that possible to find? Well, I think it's important to make the distinction between uh, aggregators who take a whole bunch of polls and sort of put them together and calculate odds and individual polls. Because I think if you look at the individual polls uh, in the last election, I, I think they were in the American election. I mean, they were, I mean, you can debate the quality of them and whether or not they were correct or not. Um, many polls predicted that Hillary Clinton would win the popular vote, and in fact, she did. Uh, what I think the, the problem, the real problem was that state polls were not being conducted regularly, were not being released regularly, and were not being analyzed uh, in the right uh, shape and form. And so because we didn't see the state polls uh, in, in the same sort of um, mix, media mix that we saw the nationwide polls, we got two very different 
uh, they caught, you know, two different realities. What was actually happening on the ground, which was Donald Trump was going to win all these blue collar states, and what people thought was going to happen, which was that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And to be fair, she won the ele- she won the popular vote. She just didn't win the electoral college. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing to keep in mind about the states is that they actually make it really hard to collect large sample polls. And here in Canada, we can have polls that are many multiple times the, the sample size that polls in the states are, because in the United States, the regulations that they've put in place, and it's a little ironic because they're supposed to be uh, more free market, but the regulations they've put in place make it really hard to dial cell phones. You actually have to uh, dial cell phone numbers by hand. So imagine, you know, you have these big, uh, technologically savvy call centers, and then when it, and they can dial landlines in a very efficient manner, and then when it comes to calling cell phones, Someone actually has to have a phone, and they have to punch in every digit. They're not allowed to have any computer-assisted technology for that work. Uh, so we didn't see as many state polls as I would have liked to see. And I think if we had, had seen more, I, mean, I think uh, you know, analysts might have been able to see the warning signs, might have been able to, to, to know that there was a very different picture emerging. But to get back to your original question about a media mix, uh, you know, I'm probably biased. I think it's fine to report on polls. I don't think it's something you should be doing uh, necessarily every day. I don't think it's something you should be doing necessarily every week. I think it's about context. Um, you know, if you're tracking trends, if you're looking at how things are changing on a week-to-week basis, on a day-to-day basis, on a month-to-month basis, I think there's much more value in that than any individual snapshot. Because then you have, then you're able to talk about not just what happened in the last poll, which was taken over, you know, one, two, three, maybe five days. Uh, you can actually talk about the long-term trend, what we've been seeing over a longer period of time. And, and that's the kind of work that we try to engage in. We try to do uh, tracking polls that have a lot of different measures. And, and sometimes you're going to look at issues and you're only going to look at them once or twice. Uh, and in that case, I think it's important to see how the public is reacting to different events. But, you know, is it something I think you should have every single day? Uh, you know, it, it really depends on what's being asked. If you're asking, you know, I always tell people you can, you can decide what questions you're going to poll. There's a big difference between asking people how they're going to vote or what they think about same-sex marriage or how they feel about Canadian immigration policies. You know, that's one set of categories. And then you, there's a different set of categories where you can ask people, you know, uh, do they think it's more appropriate to uh, say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? Um, you know, there's a wide range of poll questions you can ask. And I think the kind of content you want to focus on is really what drives the newsworthy uh, value of it all. Right. And I think the other thing is... Um for instance, we saw in, I think, the second to last federal election, the National and CBC said, OK, we're not going to do tracking polls unless something huge shifts, because there's this fear of like um, setting the agenda through the polls and having confirmation bias take hold. And then in the American election, I, I liked your point that we needed more accurate polling in the right locations. But a lot of what American media outlets said after the election was, okay, we need to make sure our um, our coverage is on the policies as much as it's on the polling. And the kind of impetus for why we wanted to talk to you today was there was a Toronto Star article uh, ostensibly about Premier Wynne meeting with auto executives to talk about NAFTA and the Trump administration, but three-quarters of the article were, was reported reporting on the latest forum poll and how that impacted her standing as premier. So it was this weird mix uh, mash where 
polling was dominating policy. And if there's only so many column inches for Queen's Park coverage, we were losing out on the policy to the polling. So uh, I guess the kind of question I want to ask is, you want to have your polling reported on, but how do you tailor it so it's not just the horse race, um, but it's also giving like a broader insight into the actual public policy debates we need to have? Well, just to quickly get back to to your point about the American election, which is one of my favorite uh, topics really to talk about, is how how we, that could have been handled better. Um, well, let's say we traded. You know, we had so many nationwide polls. What if we just traded all of those polls that were and some were very accurate? What if we just traded that all those polls for polls of Ohio? <laughs> I think the the value of that would have been you know increased tenfold. Would have been a lot better to just have that instead. So I think if you're going to you know sometimes it's not about uh, how many polls? I mean, but uh, polls of what? What are you measuring, right? Um, right? When you're trying to forecast the electoral college, which is how you decide who's going to be president of the United States, is it really the best idea to be running national polls when those are going to be uh, irrelevant? We just saw the popular votes irrelevant. And now, well, and, maybe I mean, now with this information, we can make that for the future people will know, okay, well, we can't focus on this, that anymore. Um, but, I mean, you know, in the in the Canadian context, even like when we see Canadian polls, say in Ontario, we'll see these polls that say, "Oh my God, the Liberals are at only twenty seven percent." But if they're still leading in Toronto and tied in the GTA, it's a much closer race than the actual top level numbers suggest. That's right, and I think that's why you want to have healthy sample sizes at the sub regional level because right. you want to have confidence in those numbers and you want to understand how those numbers were collected. Um, you know, we are always trying to pull issues alongside voter intentions these days. And, and there are circumstances in which you would only want to pull uh, voter intentions, namely, you know, right before an election is the best time that comes to mind, maybe a week or two before. But I just find in general that the polls are less interesting as if all you're doing is asking about the horse race numbers, because you only know that's, all, that's the only information you have is how people would vote. You don't have any indication as to what they're thinking about current issues, what their, what their priorities are, um, how they're reacting to the latest uh, proposals that are coming, being put forward by the provincial parties. So I think that's why it's important to have a mix of both. And, and I think you can do both. And then you're, you're elevating the conversation because not only are you talking about the latest numbers and how people would vote, but you're talking about what's driving those numbers. What are, what is, what are people's actual opinions on the hot button issues that matter? And of course, our last poll release looks specifically at, at Hydro. Um, our next poll release is going to be looking at the budget. So we're going to be able to have to, to really have a, a look at how Ontarians are reacting to the provincial budget once it's tabled. Right. And I, I guess as a final question, you mentioned the U.S. and the aggregators. Uh, one of the things that 538 does is actually rank the pollsters in terms of their general accuracy. And I mean, Main Street is known for being relatively accurate, certainly compared to your competitors. And um I think it's no secret that a lot of uh, politicos despise Forum, and Forum seems to be the go-to pollster for the Toronto Star, and it's a bit of a uh, an inside joke for political staff and strategists that Forum perhaps isn't the most accurate of pollsters. Uh, so do you have any comment on your competitor there, I guess? Well, what I'll say is that, you know, I'm all for uh, being held accountable on election results. Um, but I do think we are missing, you know, because a, a lot of aggregators drive media content now, too. 
And I think if you're going to rank the pollsters, you may as well also rank the aggregators. Because <laughs> yeah. if you look at the seat counts and, and the projections that they've been projecting as of late, and now they'll turn around and they'll say, but we only, you know, our aggregation is based on the polls. If the majority of polls are are wrong, what could we do? Well, I mean, if, if it's their job to rank pollsters and give weight to better polls than to worse polls, um, then that is part of their job is to decide which information is better than the other. Uh, in regards to, to different companies, what I'll say is that if you look at people's track records, if you look at the questions they're asking, if you look at how they've performed, whether it's been in by-elections, whether it's been in general elections or provincial elections, I think that really tells you all you need to know. I, th I think it's possible for any polling firm to perform really well tomorrow. I think we could have an election tomorrow and any polling firm in Canada could put you know put some a team together that is able to really analyze the numbers, really capture a great sample and publish a good poll. I think the real question is what is the test of time? And your record for the last four or five years, how have you been able to perform? Have you had any significant polling failures? Have you been associated with a lot of misfires and miscalls? And I think that's when you begin to lose credibility. And it's not just, you know, I know we're talking about forum. Um, it's not just forum that falls into that category. And what really concerns me is this latest trend of which pollsters decide they don't want to poll near election day. They're going to stop polling two weeks before and they'll wash their hands and they'll say, well, it's on our job to predict elections. So we're done polling. We're not going to poll a week before election day or even two weeks before election day. That's it for us. And I find that so disrespectful to people because you, you basically decided to poll all the way up until the end, except when it actually matters, when it actually counts. And essentially, it's like skipping a test, right? And here's the final. You don't want to write it, but you still want to pass in grade. I don't think it should work that way. I think we should be asking pollsters to hold themselves accountable. If they don't trust their internet panel, if they don't trust their sampling methods, if they don't trust uh, their call centers or whatever technology they, they're employing to get uh, their numbers, and they can't stick to them and they don't have the courage to, to publish them close to election day, why, why should anyone be hiring them and trusting them any other day of the year? Um, if you want to poll and you want to do media polling, I think you should do it right up until the very end. So that's the latest trend that really disturbs me is this, this new idea that, uh, that people will just skip out at the end, right? They'll, they'll dine out, they'll, they'll take media coverage, they'll go be a, a pundit and a talking head, but when it comes time to pay the bill, they're not there to pay up. I, look, what I will say is that Ontario is in a weird position where the polling, there is polling. I mean, there's not weekly polling. We don't see a new poll every week. I know it might seem like that, but right now there actually is a weekly poll for British Columbia. But it's interesting that a lot of different markets don't have polling. They have what I call polling poverty. Um, right. And a good example of that is Vancouver. Uh, Mayor Robertson's approval rating hadn't been tested until we tested it earlier this year, hadn't been tested for three years. Right. So you have Vancouver, one of the largest cities in Canada, a very important city, and nobody knows what's going on with the mayor for three years, uh, it's kind of interesting. So it depends on, on jurisdiction. Some places have more polling than others, but Ontario, I think, is in a good position. So, Well, there you have it. David Valentin of Main Street Research. Thank you for this, David. Thanks so much for having me. So that was our conversation with David Valentin, the uh, vice president of Main Street Research, one of Canada's better polling companies, if I do say so. Uh, we're doing at least one more episode this season and uh so look to your feed in the coming few uh weeks for that and uh we'll have further updates about 
season two uh, on that final episode or so. So I'm at J Scott, J underscore Scott underscore on Twitter. And I'm at Tara T. Mahoney. And you can find us on Twitter at ArmchairQBPod. And don't forget, you can save 20% off your Linny Politics subscription with the code ARMCHAIR. See you next time.